Hey church, we just heard an incredible message that we believe is for you. So get ready to be encouraged, to be strengthened. This will change your life. We love you so much. Well, happy Sunday, Shoreline City. Great to see every one of you. I am so incredibly excited about today, thrilled that all of you are here. Uh, my beautiful wife and I have been on vacation, and it was fantastic. So those of you who are first-time guests, uh, I'm actually tan right now. I'm a white guy that got really, really tan <laughs> while I was away, and I've come back blessed by God. Uh, no, I'm a brother, born and raised, and... Will be like this the rest of my life, but glad that all of you are here. Welcome to every one of you, uh, everyone in the balcony here. We got a bunch of folks watching online today as well. Let's give them a big old round of applause. We're glad to have you with us. Uh, we absolutely love all that God is doing at this church family, and I know we are far from perfect, but man, I am so, so thrilled to see all the lives that are being transformed. And I want to again say thank you to you for being a church that is about Jesus and not about me, okay? Because some churches can be very personality-driven, uh, and I don't want to be a personality-driven church. I want to be a Jesus-centered church. Jesus said, when I am lifted up, I'll draw men and women unto me. So thank you so much for showing up when I'm not here. Thank you for releasing me to be on vacation. I want to make sure I have a great marriage and great kids that love God and love God's house. And I want to be in this thing for the next 75 years. So thank you so much. Hey, just so you know, we've got more campuses. We've got more services we're going to be starting, and I'm not going to be able to lead all of them. I'm going to need you to step up. So get ready to lead, get ready to serve, get ready to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I'm so thankful that we've got a campus in Antigua. I'm so thankful we have a campus in Bishop Arts. I'm thankful for this campus, but it's all individuals that are saying it's not about anyone other than Jesus. And I am willing, whether it's watch a screen, whether it's willing to hear a guest speaker, whether it's willing to hear from somebody else, I am about Jesus. So keep coming with lots of expectation every single week because God is going to meet you and your friends, and I cannot wait to see uh, what happens with the future. You guys with me in that? You with me? Hey, if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with me to the book of Ruth, the book of Ruth. As you're turning there, I want to remind everyone next week, August 12th, we have baptisms that are taking place at all of our services. So every one of us in here who are sinners saved by grace, and that is, uh, that's all of us, uh, I want you to come ready next week to be baptized, ready next week to be dunked. And if you've had a lot of sin in your life, bring your scuba gear. We're going to hold you down for like 17 minutes and just allow... The grace of God to wash over you. No, no, we're not going to do that. But what baptism is, it's an outward expression of an inward work, an inward transformation. So this is like a public announcement uh, to the world that you belong to Jesus. Jesus himself was baptized. He called us to be baptized. It's, it's like a wedding ceremony, if you will. You put, put a ring on your finger. Baptism is you saying, hey, I'm taken uh, I, I, my life, my heart, my everything has now been given over to my Savior. And if you have not been baptized, I want you to take that step uh, next week. We're going to be doing it at, at the end of all of our services. So here at White Rock will be after our 1245 service at Bishop Arts, be after our last service there. But I want you to come ready next week uh, to be baptized. Uh, Ruth chapter 1, Ruth chapter 1. 
We're going to begin reading in verse number one. Uh, It says, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. You might be wondering now why the book is named Ruth uh, when we have all these names, but no one is yet named Ruth. Uh, Ruth comes onto the scene a little bit later uh, in this story. And this is one of two books that are in the Bible that are actually named after women uh, in a time where women would not be celebrated or honored the way that maybe the world um, would, would need to honor them. Here is God in his grace and in his mercy announcing to us again the worth, the value, the dignity uh, that he sees in women. Uh, so uh, these folks have uh, these sons, Elimelech and Naomi, have these couple of sons. They were Ephaphrodites from Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to Moab and lived there. Now, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left with her two sons. Whenever you're reading the Bible, um, you can read something as tragic as that and not feel it. She's married and her husband died. Well, you know, like I know, there's so much emotion that goes into that. So much pain. The Bible doesn't write about all the tears. The Bible doesn't write in this moment about all the concern. The Bible doesn't write in this moment about all of the fears that may be coming her way. It just says she died. It's like when you have a bad day and you tell somebody, it's like, oh, man, today was terrible. And they're like, oh, okay. You're like, no. It's terrible. It was the worst day ever. You need to feel this with me in this passage of Scripture right here. We don't get to get all that feeling. But if we read between the lines, we know. We know. This pain. So, Naomi's husband died. She was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, so now they've got a party. They've got, they've got a big old celebration, two weddings, fantastic. One named Orpah, the other Ruth. After they had lived there about 10 years, the unthinkable happens. Malon and Kilion also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. If you want a title for today's message, it is Breakfast is Ready. Breakfast is Ready. Uh, I'm going to do my best today to open up these scriptures. Those of you who are uh, first-time guests, it might even be a little taken back uh, by all the excitement and the energy that is in the room. We just took some time out to sing these songs to the one that has changed us from the inside out. And like people would celebrate at a Dallas Cowboys game or a Queen Bee concert, individuals that would be lifting their hands and shouting at the top of their lungs for someone who cannot save their souls, we choose to take some time out at every service and shout at the top of our lungs for someone that took us from darkness to light, took us from lost to found, took us from blind to seeing. So we just sing these songs to allow our hearts to be reminded of who God is. And what I'm going to do in these next few minutes is take this Bible here, open it up, and I pray that you're able to get some understanding because at times the Bible can be a little bit mysterious for some of us. But here we are reading in this book of Ruth about a family. This man, Elimelech, and he has his wife and their two sons, and the economy goes bad in their land. There's a bunch of layoffs. 
Uh, it would be like Pittsburgh years ago or any steel town where, where things just changed. The way people uh, conducted business changed. It would be uh, as if uh, everyone used to make cars here. Now they're manufacturing the cars someplace else. The, there's been a famine in the land. The economy has turned, and this man has his wife and two sons, and he says, I'm not just going to sit around. I'm not going to do nothing. I'm going to get in this minivan, and I'm going to go up to Moab, and I'm going to try to start a new life for my family. I, I like that he is a man that is willing to step up in the moment. I like that he's a man that, is, that does not just sit on his hands, but he is a man that says, I am responsible for my family. Can I just talk to the men for a second in here? When you have a family, if you want to be the leader of your house, I need you not to sit on your hands. I need, to, need you to step up in times of difficulty and pain and point your family a direction that's going to take them somewhere on purpose. So here's Elimelech. He doesn't wait for the government to fix the problem. doesn't wait for a friend to fix the problem. He says, I'm going to do something about what is going on in my life right now, and takes his family, and they, they move. And then again, the unthinkable happens. He loses his life, and then Naomi loses her husband, but now she's about to lose her two sons. Ten years later, there is loss and pain all around her. There are tears. There is concern. This woman now is a widow in a time where widows did not have rights and privileges. Her whole world has been turned upside down, and you may think that her life is going to be terrible forever. She thought that. She thought that so much that she changed her name from Naomi to Mara. Naomi means pleasant. Mara means bitter. She had so many problems in her life, so much difficulty. She allowed the situations of her life to change her identity. She changed her name because she thought she would be in a place of brokenness forever. But if Naomi was able to stand before you today, because she is at the end of her story, she would let you know that the pain that I was experiencing in that moment was not the end of the story, that God has the power to take the worst situations in life and turn them around for the glory of God. This is what she would say to you. She would say, if it's not good, it's not final. If it's not good, it's not final. This is the lens through which we even see life here at Shoreline City. We have these 12 stones, our core values, and one of them is we see with eyes of hope. Whenever someone is struggling, whenever someone is in a battle, whenever someone is facing the hardest situations of life, we look at that situation and we speak hope into that situation. Everybody can tell you the problems. It doesn't take a lot to go, man, it's hot outside when it's hot outside. It doesn't take a lot to say, man, this situation is terrible. You're just stating the obvious. Can you and I be the type of people that will speak hope and faith and life into the bleakest of situations when everybody else is running and going another direction and hiding their head in the sand? Let us be the men and women of God that will stand with our heads held high and our backs straight and say, God is able to work in this situation. He can do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask, think, or even imagine. That's the God that you and I serve. She would tell you if it's not good, it's not final. 
So if your marriage is not good right now, it's not final. If your mindset is not good right now, it's not final. There's so much anxiety and fear gripping your family. It's not final. You might even look and go, oh, my goodness, but, but he died. But the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is Jesus flipped the script even on death. He allowed us to now see that death is not an end. Death is just a chapter, and you step into a new season even after death. That is what our Savior going into the grave and coming out does for all of us. So even if you have buried someone, the pain is real. The tears are real. But his grace is real as well, and he has the power to carry you and transform you and change you. This is hope that I'm talking here. So now they're, they're up there, and man, life is rough for them. And Naomi looks at her daughters and says, okay, girls, I heard things are better back home. Let's get back in this minivan. Let's head on home. And they decide to take a little pit stop at Bucky's on their way uh, back home. And while at Bucky's, they're walking around and buying a hat and buying a shirt and get done going to the bathroom. And Naomi says, girls, what are you doing? You shouldn't be with me. You need to, you need to leave me. You, you need to go another direction. I'm cursed. My life is terrible. Everyone who's close to me dies. Everyone who I love goes away. Nothing is going right in my life at all. Why don't you leave me? And the girls are like, no, no, we're not leaving you. We love you. Both Orpah and Ruth are saying, no, we love you. We're staying with you. We're not going anywhere. And then Naomi drops a hammer on them, trying to convince them to go a different direction. And she says, hey, if you stay with me, I'm not going to be able to give you a husband. So when you're talking to some single ladies and you tell them, there's no man for you over here. <laughs> for some, not all, but for some single ladies, this is enough to let them know, <laughs> bye. Uh, they, they'll leave you. <laughs> so she says, she says to them, if I got married right now and I had a son, and would you wait for him to grow up so that you could marry him? By no means. And Orpah says, man, you're making a really good point here. <laughs> I don't want to be on FarmersOnly.com forever. I don't want to be on Match.com forever. I've got to go another direction. I've got to find me a man. And she leaves. I'll read it to you. It's in the Bible. I'm not even making this stuff up. <laughs> Ruth chapter 1, verses 11 through 14. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Return home. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons? who could become your husbands. Return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband, even if there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons. Would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this they wept aloud. Then Orpah kissed her mother, peace, and Ruth... <laughs> Ruth, though, clung to her. Ruth clung to her like a, like a three-year-old would cling to their father's leg. I, I, want, I want you to know this. This is something I see here. Um, fire will expose who's really with you. When you're walking through fire, it'll expose who's really going to stay with you. 
Now, we don't like the fire, right? I mean, none of us are like, Lord, send fire. None of us like it. But but the reality is the fire can be a gift because it begins to purge those around you who are not supposed to be with you for the next season. And some of us are trying to hold on to people that God is actually trying to purge out of our life. So stop texting some folks that you don't need to be texting anymore. That was God's goodness and grace and fire getting rid of them so you can step into your next season. Now, see, see, when fire comes, we sometimes think, God, oh, what's going on? What's going on? You don't need to be surprised when the fire comes. Probably be surprised when there is no fire. Because once you become a follower of Jesus Christ, you get a target on your back, okay? You need to know this. Some people will try to preach to you, oh, you become a follower of Jesus, there's Skittles and rainbows and everything is great all the time. It's not true. It's a lie. It's not even in the Bible, okay? You do not get some bubble put around you when you give your heart and your life to Jesus that that makes you immune to the problems and the pressures of the world. If anything, when you become a follower of Jesus, you now become a citizen of a whole nother kingdom. You are now here on assignment. You are now someone that walks into the darkness. So whenever you walk into your job, you're a missionary. Whenever you walk onto your college campus, you're a missionary. Whenever you step into your family, you're a missionary. You are now an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven and the enemy is not excited about that. Don't be surprised that arrows are coming your way. You and I are in a spiritual war, but we have the victory through Jesus Christ and no weapon formed against you will ever prosper. Man, I'm fired up today. I... I'm telling you right now that stuff will come your way, but God will use the stuff that comes your way to say, you don't need him, you don't need her, you don't need him, you don't need her, and they thought you needed them in order for you to get to where you needed to go, but you actually don't need them. All you need is me, is what God is saying, and now allow the folks to step out of your life, step out of your life, step out of your life, but Ruth, man, she's clinging, man, she's clinging. She's clinging. She's clinging. I like her. I like Ruth. So you can say what you want to say. I'm not going anywhere. As a matter of fact, this week, I want you to read this whole book of the Bible. This whole book. Whole book. Some of you are like, yes. (laughs) The whole book. I'm giving you an easy one. It's only four chapters. Four chapters this week. I want you to read them. If you're going to read the four chapters this week, tell the person next to you, I'm going to read the four chapters. Tell them, I'm going to read the four chapters. If you're not, don't lie. Fall asleep right now. Narcolepsy, just fall asleep right now. (laughs) I want you to read it. If those of you who love movies, those of you who love great books, this author in Ruth is fantastic. They can tell a story. There is all of this type and shadow. There's all of this tension. It is absolutely wonderful because now here you have these women that were crying, and now they are headed back home, and the Bible says about Ruth that she was determined. I like her. A determined woman, a strong woman, a woman with backbone, a woman with some character, a woman that will say, I'll take a licking, but I'll keep on ticking. I'm married to a woman like this, a woman that will not take no for an answer, a woman that is strong. I love this. And they show up, and the Bible says at the end of chapter one, it just happened to be around barley season. So it happened to be around this particular time when it's time to bring in the harvest. And they show up. You might think that means nothing until you continue into chapter 2 and you find 
Naomi and Ruth sitting in their house watching Netflix, some Haagen-Dazs non-dairy ice cream, watching The Office, laughing and crying. <laughs> My life's terrible. Lululemon leggings and thinking about I wish my life turned out different. And, and Ruth is sitting there going, I, I cannot sit here. I cannot do this forever. Mom, I'm sorry. I got to go to work. I got to go to work, Mom. I got I to go to work. I can't just sit around all day. I got I to go to work. And Naomi says, go. Go to work. Go with her ice cream on her shirt. Just go. And Ruth gets up and she goes to work. And the Bible says she just happened. She just happened to show up at the field, owned by a man named Boaz. She just happened to. It sounds accidental. It sounds as if she's just living life and just stumbled into something. But when she is just stumbling, God is actually the one orchestrating things to put her in the right place at the right time. Do you know God can even use your stumblings to put you at the, will you fall like, Like you meant to do it? <laughs> That's what God does for her in this moment right here. I know that job fired you, so it looks as if you're wandering around right now. I know it did not work out for you in that one city. I know that guy left you or that girl left you. I know it looks like you're just stumbling through life, but you need to know that God is actually up in heaven orchestrating even the pain in your life to bring you to a place for he's going to fulfill his plans and purposes through you. So keep on crying if you need to cry. That's fine. And you can cuss a little bit if you need to. No problem at all. But I want you to understand that God has not forgotten about you, even if you've lost everybody else around you, even when you go to a job that you think means nothing. You're going there for a paycheck. <laughs> God brought you there on purpose. <laughs> so now she shows up. She starts working, y'all. Starts working. Starts working hard. She's a hard worker. Ruth shows up, works, 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 works knocks on the door, knocks on the door. Hey, 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 can I work for you? Hey, I've I seen the job. Hey, just let me, let me just walk behind these guys. I'll pick up the extra that falls on the ground. Hey, just, just let me work. Just let me work. Can, can I do that? And the, the foreman says, oh, sure, you, you can work in this field. No problem at all. She's working so hard. The owner of the company shows up, looks out there, and is like, mm-mm. Mm, who is that Moabite woman right there? It's in your Bible. You'll read it this week. He, he looks at her, takes notice of her, goes over to the foreman and says, Hey, uh, who's Shorty? Looking like a snack. Who's, 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 that, who's that over there? Who, who's that? Who is that? And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. <laughs> Ruth chapter 2. Look at it. It's in the Bible. Ruth chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. The overseer replied. Overseer replied. She is a Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. This woman has been working all day. She showed up, asked for a job, 
And boss, I haven't been able to get rid of her. This woman just keeps working and working. She took a short break. But after that short break, she was right back at it, working and working and working and working and working and working. Uh, If she was not working, even though she looked beautiful, even though she stood out some, if the owner came and talked to the foreman, he would have said, you don't want nothing to do with her. She's lazy. I can't get her to pick up a thing. I'm asking her to do something and she thinks that's beneath her. But because she worked hard, Because she showed up early and stayed late, because she was willing to go the extra mile, because she was willing to leave the the time of sitting around the water cooler and criticizing everybody, because she was willing to leave that and get back to her position, because she was faithful where God had put her, because she worked hard, when the owner showed up, there were good things to say about her, and this opened the door for her. She ended up having lunch with the owner of the company. Here's the principle I want you to remember. Favor follows hustle. Favor follows hustle. Favor follows hustle. If you begin to hustle, if you begin to give 110%, if you will instead put your head down instead of complaining about everything else that's around you, if you begin to work and grind and give and go and stay, or wake up early and stay up late, if you will be willing to do things that nobody else is willing to do, I'm telling you that favor follows that type of hustle. And it might not all turn out exactly when you want it to, but that type of work ethic, God does something with it. God does something with it. I'm telling you, God does something with it. Stop complaining about your coworkers. You can't control them. You can't control your boss. You can't control the environment if you don't run the company. All you can control is you. So stop blaming laziness on the problems of the company. Stop your mouth running and you're giving, what you're doing is you're giving your power. You're giving your energy to people that should not have your power and energy. You can control your attitude. You can control when you show up. You can control how you step into the office. You can control that cubicle that you have. You can control your corner or office. You can control how you respond when they act the fool at your office. But please do not say, I'm a Jesus follower. I'm a Christian. I go to Shoreline City if you're showing up to work late all the time. Tell them you go to another church. Don't put my name on that. Don't put this church's name on that. Don't put the people beside you. Don't put their name on that. We want to be a church filled with people that when the rubber meets the road, you can find us with dirt underneath our nails. If you need somebody to show up early, we'll show up early. You need somebody to give a meal, I'll give a meal. You need somebody to lay down their life for somebody else, I'll lay down my life for somebody else. That's the type of church that we are. Don't be twisted. Don't get it twisted here. We are not some spectator church that judges from the armchair how good the preaching or the music is. We are the type of church that jumps in all the way and says, God, use my life for your glory. They're sitting there having lunch. And the boss says, hey, want some barley? Slide some barley across the table. Ladies, just so you know, if you're ever out with a man and he passes you some barley, he's a good man. That man... That man is into you right there. Passes the barley across the table. He's like, hey, girl, take that. (laughs) That's from me to you. Takes the barley, 
She has this meeting with the boss. Now, other people might look at her and say, oh, I bet she got that meeting with the boss because she. I let you fill in the blank. I didn't say anything. I'm letting you fill in the blank. But she didn't get, she didn't get that opportunity because she slept with the boss. She got that opportunity because she worked harder than everybody else. So she goes back out to the field. And there's all this stuff on the ground. She starts picking it up. She starts picking up. Now there's extra on the ground this time. She's like, oh, my goodness, this is so much. This is so much. She's walk, walk, walking behind these harvesters, picking up all this extra. She might think that she's so awesome that she's getting all this. She does not know that the owner, Boaz, said to those who are working in front of her, when you grab what you grab, I want you to drop extra and leave it on the ground for her. So now she is picking up extra. And it's not because she's so good. It's because someone who is above her is so good. And I'm telling you right now you're picking up some extra in your life not because you're so good but because your father in heaven told somebody drop that for him drop that for her you didn't get the opportunity that you have at the job that you have right now because you're so gifted it's your father up in heaven saying i've had that home set aside for you i had that man set aside for you i had that grace set aside for you so now she's picking up she's picking up she's picking up this stuff and y'all, oh, I'm going to give you something else free. This is free right here. She, she's working in a field that one day she's going to own. She doesn't know she's going to own it. She just thinks she's a worker. She's just on the assembly line. She's just not even a supervisor yet. She's a store clerk going beep, beep. But she's going to own the company one day, and she's going to own it because God's grace is so amazing. So here she is picking up all this stuff. She shows up at home with all of this extra, shows it to Naomi, who has ice cream all over her face. And Naomi looks up, wiping tears from her eyes, and says, where'd you get all that? Because you have so much right now that it cannot just be you. Someone must have favored you because you're not that gifted. You're not as gifted as all the grace that you have on your life right now. Someone must have given you something extra. She says, well, there was this guy. His name was Boaz. He's the owner. She's like, Boaz? I know him. That brother's old, but he's fine. And... uh, As a matter of fact, we're connected to him. What I want you to do is go and sleep at his feet tonight, okay? He's going to be over there. He's going to be working, okay? He's going to be harvesting. He's going to be threshing, uh, working at the threshing floor. We talked about that a few weeks ago. He's going to be threshing uh, the wheat. Then he's going to lay down over there, and I want you to lay down at his feet and be like, hey, can I have a corner of your garment? Don't do this, ladies, just so you know nowadays. This is not like the pattern with which you, sh- you ought. Don't go, don't go to the feet. There are some principles in here that have to do with dating. But, but regardless, in this moment, she goes, she lays at his feet. She says, hey, can you be my kinsman redeemer? Can you redeem me? Can you redeem my mother-in-law? Can you redeem the property? And he says, right now, Somebody else has their hand over your life, but I'm going to go talk to them. He goes over the next day, and he has a meeting. This is a picture of you and I with Jesus, because we're in something, and we needed somebody to redeem us. 
but sin was hanging over us. Death, hell, and the grave was hanging over us. So Jesus went over here and had a meeting with the enemy. <laughs> said, hey, she's mine. And they have this interaction. Now, during this time, remember, Ruth's a worker. Okay? She's a worker. She's someone that used to raising the kids. She's someone that's used to going into the office and telling everybody what to do. She is a worker. She is strong, but now she has to wait. She cannot fix this on her own. She needs someone to do something for her that she cannot do for herself. Now she has to wait. Roman, uh, not Ruth, chapter uh, uh, 2, four, 3 rather, verse 18. Then Naomi said, wait, my daughter, wait, my daughter, wait, my daughter, wait. She ends up waiting. You wait here while Boaz works over here. You wait here while Boaz works over here. And while she is waiting, Boaz is working. While she is waiting, Boaz is working. While she is waiting, Boaz is working because she could not do anything in her own power anymore. Now she needed Boaz to do something for her. So now going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, she shows up and Boaz says, hey, I bought you. Hey, I've got you. If you have time later this week, read Genesis chapter 1 verses 3 and 5 and others and you'll see that when God made the universe he made it and this is after day one there was darkness and then there was there was evening then there was morning the first day there was evening then there was morning the second day there was evening then there was morning the third day showing us that God's day actually starts at night when you go to sleep that's when God begins to work many times I go to sleep concerned because I'm thinking I can't do anything but in actuality God says I need you to go to bed so I actually can do some things on your behalf so you can wake up to my grace and wake up to my work and wake up to my power the work does not stop when you're sleeping it actually begins I saw this pictured beautifully with my 13 year old son it was Mother's Day or or maybe my wife's birthday and I come out to the kitchen in the morning, and my wife is in the bed sleeping, and Parker's out there, and he says, Dad, Dad, I'm going to make breakfast for Mom. I said, what? You don't cook anything. No, 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 Dad, 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 I'm going to make breakfast for Mom. And he has the eggs out, and he takes those eggs, and he cracks those eggs, and they, the shells and the egg go into the bowl. And he starts scrambling all this stuff up. And then he turns on the stove and there's this gas beginning to fill our house. And I turn it off real quick and blow that gas away. Say, son, this is how you do it. Click, 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 click. Boom. That's how. Then it comes on. And he puts a skillet on there and puts some olive oil on the skillet and dumps those shells and those eggs into the skillet. Goes over here to the counter, grabs the toaster, puts the waffles in the toaster. He's over here now working the eggs, and he's over here with the toaster. The toast, the uh, the waffles pop up, a bunch of butter. He just dumps it on there because he knows his mother loves butter. So he put uh, basically a half a stick of butter on two pieces of waffle. Eggs get done. He goes to the fridge, grabs out a strawberry, starts slicing it. Like he knows what he's doing. Takes the slices of strawberry, puts it all the way around the plate for my wife. Then takes the eggs and the shells, puts those on the plate. Takes the the butter-drenched waffles, puts those on the plate as well. And then he carries it to his mother. I open up the door for him. His mom wakes up. 
Parker? You have breakfast for me? Parker's, here it is, Mom. I love you so much. She's sleeping and has no idea that her son is in the other room working and putting some things together for her. She thinks maybe I'm going to have to make breakfast for him, but in actuality he's over here making breakfast for her. And I just want to announce to you that your God right now is in another room working some things out for you, putting some things together. He's scrambling up purpose. He's putting your husband or your wife together. He's getting your destiny prepared for you. He has not forgotten about you working right now she wakes up and eats this meal in this book of Ruth and I'm all done with this you'll read it in chapter 4 Ruth and Boaz have a child and they name him Obed Obed has a child he names him Jesse Jesse has a child he names him David Jesus, our Savior, is known as the son of David. God took the pain and the tears of Naomi and said, Naomi, I have not forgotten about you. And if you'll keep following me, I will take your pain and I will use it to bring salvation to the entire world. This is the goodness and the grace of our God where all things work together for good to those that love him. They're called according to his purpose. If you would mind, bow your heads just for a moment. I'm going to ask you if you're in here under the sound of my voice, you've never given your heart and your life to Christ. You've never made him number one. You've never made him first, but you're here today and you're saying, God, I don't want to go my own direction anymore. I want to go your direction. I don't want to be in the driver's seat of my life. I want you to be in the driver's seat of my life. If that is you here, you've never given your heart to Christ or at one point in time you did and you slipped away and today you want to surrender or re-surrender your life to serving Jesus, I'm going to ask you to do something simple but something incredibly bold. Literally on the count of three, I want you to shoot your hand in the air and say, yes, that is me. One, two, three. Just shoot your hand in the air. You're saying, yes, that is me. I want to give my heart. I want to give my life to Christ. Hands going up all over here. You're saying, yes, that's me. I want to give my heart. I want to give my life to Christ. I don't want to go my own way anymore. I want to go his way. I sure hope your heart was encouraged by today's message. Just so you know, we are in your corner cheering you on and trusting for God to do great things in your heart and in your life. You can listen to this message as many times as you need to. We're not going anywhere, but even more importantly, God's grace isn't going anywhere. So I'm glad to be on this journey together. We love you so much and we're praying for you. God bless.